0: Good morning everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30 and of course it's time for the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy. First up we have to welcome back Jeremy Francis from Cloud Hill. Good morning Jeremy.
1: Good morning Pam and good morning everyone.
0: And spring's really sprung now.
1: (laughs) It was interesting driving down the hill. uh, Very dense mist uh, since we... um Stepped out of the house and, and and very murky and got right down to the basin. It was still murky and and somewhere between the basin and. Uh and the eastern freeways, the clouds cleared just and suddenly there was not a cloud in the sky. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I
0: drove past Westerfold Park this morning and I had three huge balloons right next to the road just lifting off. That is such a distraction if you're driving a car, I can tell you. But anyway, they obviously deemed the weather was going to be the perfect morning for, yes. for taking off and balloon riding.
1: Uh, we've been having a good run with weekends for ages, actually. i feel felt has been going on for, well, since last winter, Well. Well, yes. in this winter but yes. uh, that's one saving grace of of a la nina winter i suppose la nina spring is that somehow someone's been arranging our weekends are so very nice <laughs>
0: <laughs> Definitely, I'll agree with that. We also have to say a very good morning to James Beatty. Good morning, James. Good morning,
2: Pam, and good morning everyone.
0: And I was going to introduce you as researcher from ABC's Guardian Australia, but you've just resigned. But, yes,
2: recently departed from there. Wow. Um, yeah, the, the decision was a, was a was a little while a little while coming, um, but uh, essentially. Uh, spending four years talking to lots of people doing fabulous things in their garden. Um, it's time for me to go and join their ranks, I think.
0: Of course, that means we'll be expecting your garden to open up soon for Open Gardens Victoria. Oh, no doubt, no doubt.
2: Um, I'll, I'll try and pull a Michael McCoy and say in a calendar year I'll have a I reading, might hold yes. you to that one. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: think it's wonderful anyway. your newfound freedom for a little while.
2: Yeah, that's right. And really indulging my creative side when it comes to horticulture. Um, that's, it's been a little bit lacking in the last few years, just trying to find the time more than anything. Yes. Um, but now I've got plenty of that in the next few months. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Fantastic. And it's going
2: to be a beautiful spring.
0: Brilliant. Okay. And we also have to say a very good morning to Peter Barker. And Peter is CEO of New Tech Poly Proprietary Limited, which to our regular listeners um, actually means eWood. And I think our listeners might have heard a little bit about eWood, but we're going to hear a lot more this morning. Good morning, Peter.
3: Good morning, Pam. Good morning, everyone.
0: Great. Okay. Um, I must say... I'm sending out condolences to Millie. She's come down. She was going to be on this morning. She's come down with viral tonsillitis. So, Millie, best wishes for a quick and speedy recovery, but um, we'll catch up with you very soon. And I also must apologise to listeners if my voice gives out during the show because I'm one very excited person, having been a long-suffering bulldog's um, Western Bulldogs supporter. I can't believe we're actually in a grand final so of course yours truly was screaming at the television yesterday and my voice is now suffering as a consequence but you'll just have to bear with me because um, it's very exciting times. <laughs> in fact I'm going, I'm going to the um, the grand final of our VFL team this afternoon so it's
4: all right. Whereabouts are it? Bulldogs
0: everywhere. Eddie Had, they're okay, playing on the big stage for, for the grand final. So, um, yes, it's football wall to wall for me for a week. <laughs> 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 Never mind. Okay. Uh, I should get straight into community announcements because being springtime, of course, there's a lot going on and, and quite a bit on today if people don't know what to do today, if you're at a bit of a loose end. First up, as you heard last week, the Native Orchid Show is on today. Um, It's down at the Mount Waverley Community Centre, which is, of course, at 47 Miller Crescent in Mount Waverley. That's opposite the Mount Waverley railway station there. Nine o'clock through till four o'clock today. Um, Now, there's going to be talks given at 10.30 how to cultivate uh, epiphytic orchids, mounting and potting. Uh, at 12, there'll be Effective Orchid Conservation, which would be interesting. And one thirty, Lake Mountain After Black Saturday. So um, those three talks taking place today. Um, as well as plant sales, there'll be Native Orchid Merchandise, There'll be a native orchid art and photography. Uh, There'll be displays and sales of that. The cafe will be open for Devonshire teas and coffee, sandwiches, hot snacks and drinks. So it's all happening there down at uh, Mount Waverley Community Centre today, nine through till four o'clock. Now there's also two open gardens for Open Gardens Victoria on today. Uh, These are both one is in Hawthorne, one is in Camberwell. So both very close to each other, so you can uh, head along and have a look at both of those. Uh, Now, Fair Home is at 35 Prospect Hill Road in Camberwell. Now, that's open 10 till 4. That's a a half-hour earlier closing for that one, 10 till 4 today. Um, Entry price is $10. Children under 18 are free. And then the other one, uh, Placida, is at 4 Coppengrove in Hawthorne and that's open 10 till 4.30, their usual opening times. Entry price for that one is $8, and again, children under 18 are free. Also a reminder that uh, Hancock's Daffodils are open every day until the end of this month, so um, not much longer. So if you haven't managed to get out to the Dandenongs, um, their address is actually... um, 101 Grand Tula Road in Menzies Creek. They're at the roundabout on the corner of the Belgrave, Gembrook Road and Grand Tula Road in Menzies Creek there. Melway's reference, 124E11. It's a chance to see just paddocks full of um, wonderful different varieties of uh, flowering daffodils. Now, uh, it's open 10 o'clock through till 4 o'clock today. It'd be a wonderful day to go out to there and have a look. Admission is free. Have you been out to? Oh, yes.
1: It's it's a stunning piece of countryside there. Right. Uh, There's picture postcards, famous picture postcards of the, uh, well, that area just uh, around the daffodil farm. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's worthwhile just going along for the scenery and the daffodils of the... The uh, icing on the cake, yeah. Fantastic. Go along, see.
0: Yep, brilliant. Okay. And, of course, if you fall in love with any of the daffodils, you can um, pick up some of the bulbs for that particular variety to plant in your own garden. So a great opportunity, as I say, that's only open until the end of this month. Now, uh, it's definitely orchid time. I've already mentioned the Native Orchid Show, but we've got a lot of other orchid shows uh, coming up, uh, and some of them are today. Firstly... um, uh, Dandy Nong and District Orchid Club have got their Orchid show. The venue for that one is Patio O'Donohue Centre, which is at 1 to 32 Buckley Street in Noble Park. That is open 9am through to 4 o'clock this afternoon. Entry is $4, $2 pensioners, children under 16 are free. Also today the Geelong Orchid and Indoor Plant Club have got their spring show. That venue is uh, Christchurch Hall, which is on the corner of Moorabool Street and McKillop Street in Geelong. Again, times are uh, 10 till 4. Cost is $4. That includes a complimentary Devonshire tea. There you go. Um, that would be worth $4 just on its own, I think, probably. <laughs> um, Maroondah Orchid Society have also got their show today. Gosh, if you wanted to learn about orchids, today is the day. The venue is St. Timothy's Catholic Community School, which is at 21 Stevens Road in Vermont. Um, now the time for that is nine till four again again the cost for adults is four dollars pensioners three dollars children under 12 are free and there'll be free orchids for the children fantastic okay Uh, also today uh, the yay garden club have got their garden expo now the venue of this is yay racecourse Uh, There'll be uh, native and flowering plants, garden tools, vegetable bins, motorised barrows and vehicles, seedlings, goodness me, garden sculptures, mulch, fertilisers and compost, specialist nurseries, deciduous and ornamental trees, books, food and drinks available and face painting for children. I do happen to know that um, Graham and Diana Sargent from Silky's Rose Farm will be up there today as well with their roses. So, uh, again, that's today and... uh, The venue is the A race course, so that should be fairly easy to find. Okay, just a few coming up over the next uh, week or so. Friends of Burnley Gardens, their next uh, workshop is um, terrariums with style. This is with uh, Sasha Andrusiak. Now, Sasha's responsible for all sorts of terrariums that you can see at reception in the staff room at Burnley. Um, she's going to actually run a workshop uh, teaching you exactly how to do it. So this comes up on Saturday the 8th of October. It'll be held at Burnley College, which of course is 500 Yarra Boulevard in Richmond there. It'll be held actually in the nursery, 10am through to 1pm. Cost is $65 for members of the Friends Group, $85 for non-members, which includes a terrarium and plants and morning tea. Now, bookings are essential. You can phone 90356815. That's 90356815. Or you can email friends.burnley at gmail.com. Now, you need to bring uh, clean, sharp secateurs and wear closed shoes. Uh, Just a couple more I should mention and... um, Wednesday the 12th of October, again, Friends of Burnley Gardens um, are having a talk. Now, this talk is being given uh, by Jean Dunn, and Jean's passion is breeding Australian orchids. I told you it's orchid time. Uh, So this is taking place, as I said, Wednesday 12th of October. It's at uh, University of Melbourne Burnley campus, uh, 7 o'clock for drinks and nibbles, 7.30 for the talk. Cost for members is $5, $15 for visitors. And again, that same phone number, 90356815 or friends.burnley at com to head along to that one. Okay, uh, it's high time we invited our listeners to join us this morning. If you've got a gardening question or if you'd like to make comment on something, please do join us. The number to ring is nine. Four one nine zero one double five. That's nine four one nine zero one double five. Peter, let's talk Ewood. Why now, not? my my huge attraction to Ewood before I'd even seen it is the fact that environmentally it's such a fantastic product because you're recycling cycling so much e waste.
3: That's correct. Like, there's two uh, great aspects about e wood, and, and you've highlighted the first one the environmental um, credentials that it has. Um, e wood is made from e waste, basically, the backs of television sets, printer cartridges. Yeah, you would have seen you know, Planet Arc, um, cartridges for Planet Ark, advertising that. Um, car dashboards, all that type of plastic is um, collected from the, the waste stream. Um, separated from the other electronic components, shredded, and then uh, we, uh, we purchase it and, and make it into EWood after adding our 11 herbs and spices to it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, you mentioned uh, Planet Arc, but do you have any local councils? where You know, where are you getting all your material from?
3: Most of our material is sourced from um, a recycling centre based in, in Wagga. Uh, we, we manufacture in Moama, right. uh, New South Wales. and. But we there are a number of uh, recycling centres that we can um, access the that waste from. Great, so it's, it's better better us use it than it going to landfill. Or, oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So any any thoughts of expansion so that we can get more and more of this product coming in and not, you know avoiding landfill?
3: Well, there's there's a well with new tech poly. There's a couple of strings to our bow. Ewood is. Is, is one of them, but we're looking to expand and, and grow. But we're just a small company at the moment, just a lo- local employer. Right. Uh, we've only got a staff of uh, four in the factory, so and we don't operate every day. Right. But, Goodness. But we're looking to grow and, and but grow uh, uh, sustainably. We don't want to grow too quick and then get into cash flow problems. But, no, so, no, true. No, just a small. We you around and,
0: for a long time, just like Ewood. <laughs> indeed. <laughs> Tell us some of the benefits of e-wood because people think, oh, plastic. Is it going to look like plastic? I don't want plastic in my garden.
3: Well, eWood is, um, as we say, it's made from uh, it's 95% recycled plastic. The, the product is very robust. Uh, you, some people may think of plastic as being a bit of a lightweight or a toy or a novelty, but um, e-wood e, e-wood is built to last. It's uh, it's a very heavy product. It's heavier than certainly is. <laughs> yes. You
0: just gave me a piece to hold, and <laughs> my gosh.
3: Yeah. So the, the product itself is um, uh, has a lot of attributes uh, over timber. It's a, basically it's a timber replacement product. The, the main attributes are that it doesn't rot, um, and it doesn't uh, attract termites. It doesn't harbour any vermin, and it doesn't uh, hold any moisture. So. Um, for use in the garden and around the house, it's a terrific product because uh, you, know, you, you do the job once and you do it right mm. and you don't have to worry about it again.
0: The other the other attribute over wood is that, of course, it doesn't need painting or varnishing.
3: Correct. It, it, um, it is UV-stable and um, it, it's a, it comes in a, a range of colours that includes charcoal and that's it. A <laughs> bit <Good laughs> like Henry Ford there. But, but, but you but can
0: actually <laughs> if you want to paint over that, can't you, yes, if you, you, you want to change the colour.
3: Correct. It's a, it's a very contemporary Colour now we we get a lot of positive comment on it, but the the product can be painted if if you have a particular need to do so for for the uh, for the garden mm. and what you what you want to do. Mm.
0: Fantastic! Now, um, you know uses.
3: Well, the use of um, eWood wood is basically limited by your imagination. Um, we we manufacture raised garden bed kits, and they're, they're our most popular line. But we have a number of different profiles that can be used. Um, we also we manufacture sleepers, decking, um, garden edging, um, posts and rails. So you can do you know, fencing, decking, uh, anything around the garden. You can even build furniture. Right I was going it. to say, mm-hmm. does
0: furniture come into that? yet?
3: Yes, it's it's a, it's an ideal uh, product to use. Not only is it does it have those o- other attributes, but it. Uh, environmental credentials but it 's actually a very really easy product to use you use it similar to similar properties to hardwood, but a lot easier to work with
0: okay um, I presume you'd need safety precautions if you 're going to be drilling into it or
3: yeah it's just just normal safety precautions you use with with any other um, as you're using it with timber so if you basically if you treat um, e wood as as hardwood mm-hmm. um, and take those regular precautions you're right so a couple of little tips uh, when when you're de- dealing with hardwood you you don't nail straight into it because it splits e-wood you, you you pre-drill the holes first and so it doesn't shatter so it's the same right. same principle
0: okay you can cut it saw it
3: yeah absolutely you can um if you've got enough time you can cut it with your hand saw but uh um, a good quality um circular saw does the job uh, like using um, a, a, that type of equipment with um, hardwood, you don't you let the saw do the work. You don't try and push through it too quick. Yes. With hardwood, it would uh, tend to splinter. With e wood, it tends to melt. So you. Okay. So if you <laughs> you just let the saw do the work and yep. just. Um, it's a very easy product to work with and Fantastic. it drills beautifully. Yeah.
0: Fantastic. Okay. Well, we've got uh, a caller online who I think wants to ask a question of you. We're going to uh, Pippa, who's in Sydney. Good morning, Pippa.
5: Oh, good morning to you. Um, my neighbour uh, behind uh, in the other court has used Ewood for his fencing.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: And um, uh, I think mine my, my may have been one of the first houses in this particular allotment. But um, his uh, his fence has endured famously. I can really recommend to anyone who perhaps would like to do the fencing. If I had known about it at the time, it would have been a wonderful use. The only thing that I'm querying is um, its fire rating.
3: The, we don't have an official fire rating but the, for the product, but mm. the, the product is actually made from materials that have uh, fire retardants in it. We, oh. uh, so if you uh, hold a, um, like a, a naked flame to eWood, it will start to smolder and um and it will uh, ignite, however, but you take that the source of the flame away, and uh ewood will stop it'll and it'll just uh, cool down, so um it has that fire retardant properties in it.
5: Well, the fifteen years that it's been up uh, behind or it may be ten, I'm not sure um it's lasted much better than my uh, six foot two um uh, treated pine fencing.
3: Well, it'll certainly do that. There's no problem about that. So that's living testament. So very pleased to hear.
0: Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Pippa. Um The other thing is that that it does actually have a texture. It's got a grain to it, so it does actually look a bit like wood, doesn't it?
3: Yes. It, it all depends on the the temperature that we we produce it. We um, we can control that, of course. And and as as it comes out of the machine. Uh, the plastic extrusion machine, uh, we just control the temperature to to burn it just slightly, mm. so um, it gets a little bit of stickiness as it goes into the uh, the calibrator and uh, it gives that um, wood grain texture
0: okay. Tell us a little bit more about the actual process um, i mean the The waste comes in, um, does it all get crushed down for a start, then go into something like a smelter, or what 's the process?
3: We, we purchase it in um, bales, and it's just sh- shredded plastic. It's gone through a... It's already yeah, been... Yeah, it's, it's been yes. sh- shredded. And okay. We, we um, uh, then uh, get a local firm to granulate and to, to make them into very small pellets, about um, half the size of a five-cent piece. Okay. We then mix it with our 11 herbs and spices, because there's a number of different plastics um, that we need to make compatible. Yes, And I so we, we then mix it together and bale it up um, ourselves and then it goes into a, a traditional uh, plastic extrusion process. But in that, um, we we have to be careful for because uh, um, it's not a homogeneous uh, feedstock. Mm-hmm. So we have to be extra careful in the way in which it comes through the machine, and you have to be more diligent. You can't just let the machine go and run itself. You you have right. to constantly monitoring the the controls. Right. So the basically for the, those. Um, Granules get melted in a uh, plastic extrusion machine, which is like a um, a long chamber with a with an auger or screw inside it, and and there are you know, heat banks around that, so it melts the plastic as it goes through the uh, extrusion process. It then comes out uh, as a um, a hot substrate, a bit it resembles hot bread dough. Okay. About um, two hundred. It's about two hundred <laughs> degrees. Yes. And we, then it gets fed into a. Um, a calibrator, depending on what size that we're making, so it's either a sleeper or or a post or uh, or plank okay and we and then it goes through that um, process and gets cooled through uh, water baths and then gets cut to size at the other end and then stacked
0: mm-hmm. right. Fantastic. Now, um, although you're, you're manufacturing up in Moama, mm-hmm.
3: um,
0: you do obviously have uh, have people stocking the product around Melbourne.
3: Yes, we do. Yeah. We have a number of um, uh, stockists around Melbourne. We're always looking for more, um, but we have uh, just we don't go through um, the larger um, corporate um, hardware chains. We, we tend to support the the industry, and we go through specialist garden centres and. Um, and uh, independent hardware stores.
0: Right, excellent, fantastic.
2: Now, I, I, so, sorry, sorry James. I, I noticed in the little bits of literature that you gave us before the show that it comes in um, two different uh, thicknesses: twenty-five and fifty mil. That's correct. Is that for um, you know its its resilience in construction, depending on what load it takes, or is it purely cosmetic? Or
3: well, a bit of both. Yeah, um, but mainly through. Um, for making retaining walls, etc., um, the, the the fifty mil profile is the is the our recommendation. Yep. Um, so we can compete against um, against you know regular uh, garden sleepers. But eWood is about twenty five percent stronger than uh, treated pine, mm-hmm. and so um, it, it makes a, an excellent uh, retaining wall material. Mm. Mm. Fantastic.
0: Yeah. Okay. Now you do have a website. If people want to go and have a look online.
3: Indeed, if everyone's got their pens ready, it's, it's a simple one. It's uh, ewood.com.au.
0: Can't get easier than that.
3: <laughs> Correct. <laughs>
0: okay, now um, for um, we are actually having um, a 3CR gardening show um, supporter segment this morning, and you guessed it. It has got uh, plenty to do with, with ewood this morning. Peter's been very kind to us. What we're doing is <clears throat> we're having a subscriber drive, so this means that... Uh, If you are already a subscriber but you need to renew or if you'd like to become a 3CR subscriber, this is a wonderful way of supporting the station and the gardening show. Um, It also gives you a say in what happens around 3CR. You can actually vote in our elections. Um, It guarantees it's helping to keep 3CR alive, well and truly alive. Um, and you also get uh, the uh, 3CR magazine cram guide and you get uh, discounts at some of the local businesses. So um, the cost, uh, if you're waged, is $70 for a 12-month subscription. If uh, you're on concession, pensioners or non-waged, $35 concession. Now, what we're doing this morning is for um, anyone who rings in and pledges to become Um, a supporter, a a listener sponsor to the station this morning. At the end of the program, roughly just after nine o'clock, we're going to draw out, or Peter is actually going to draw out um, a number and we'll link that to the name of someone this morning who has subscribed or renewed their subscription. And uh, thanks to Peter's generosity, they're going to get uh, up to $200 worth of product from EWood. Now, that's fantastic. Absolutely wonderful, Peter. Thank
3: you. Well, it's well worth calling in and <laughs> pledging your support to Three CR. Absolutely, so happy to help.
0: So we'll be running that right through the program this morning. So there's no race to, to get on the phone, but uh, please please do ring because we are going to draw that round about nine o'clock this morning before we uh, we finish up for the morning. So if you would like to support Three CR and the gardening show. Ring in on 9419 0155 and uh, pledge that you will uh, become a, a subscriber for the next 12 months, $70 wage, $35 concession, or if you're already a subscriber but you want to renew it for another 12 months, we'd love you to ring in and one of you will definitely win $200 worth of product from eWood. So that's really great. Now, we uh, need to go to our next caller. We have uh, Tom, who's out in Keylor. Good morning, Tom.
6: Hi, Pam. How are you going? I'm um, well, thank you. Good. Long time no speak.
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, you yeah. had to give away from memory all your, um, your
6: hives. I did. I, I did. Um, two reasons. One, because I just didn't have the time to manage them, but the other one was um, out here we've got this um, lovely... That
7: wretched um, weed
6: that wretched weed that's growing that ruins the honey. So, yes. um, yeah, and I don't have time to shift them up the country and shift them around. So, I did but I still have a love for bees and uh, lots of friends that, that do it and um, I thought I'd give a phone call this morning to let your listeners know that it's coming into swarming season now. And a matter of fact, there's a lot of swarms around already um, due to the yellow flower, the masses and masses of flower that we've had. The bees are going crazy. Um, and, yeah, if people get Bees in their backyard, um, you know, not to be scared of them because when they swarm, they're not um, they're not attacking anyone. They're looking for a new home.
4: Mm-hmm. Um,
6: and also, to if they do get a swarm in their backyard and it's hanging on their lemon tree or their olive tree or, or any tree at all um, or their fence, wherever, um, to call to get on the um, website. And have a um, have a look, and there's lots of bee clubs all around Melbourne. And generally, one of someone one of the bee club members will often come and collect them. Um, they might charge a small fee, but um, and put them to good use rather than end up somewhere where they're going to get you know someone's going to get the um, pesticide man in and kill them.
0: Oh yes, we can't have that.
6: Yeah, no, no. Um, yeah, so there's there's lots of clubs around. You just got to Google um, Victorian bee clubs, right. And um, if any of your listeners get us warm, and I'm sure there'll be some that will, um, especially over your way. Um, there's plenty around, so but they're all taking off early this year um, right. because of the yellow flower. There's yep. been so much of the, you know, the oxalis weed, and now we've got the cape weed coming out. and mm. It does send them into a frenzy. Yes. <coughs> yeah.
0: Okay, that's so, fantastic. So, just Google Victorian Bee Club, choose one that's that's at a location near where you live, and yep. uh, and arrange for someone to come out and actually just- capture that swarm.
6: Give them a call, and I'm sure there'll, there'll be a member that's probably close by um, that will come out. I know Doncaster and Q are very active in that, um, and the Diggers Rest Bee Club and the Southside Bee Club. I know they're all very active. Another one down in Werribee too. So okay. yeah, yeah. If
0: people know a bit about bees, you can actually capture a swarm yourself, can't you? And actually, if you've if you've got a, a hive, you can actually start off your own um, your own. Hive full of bees from a swarm. If
6: you know a little bit about them. Yes. yes. Yeah. I wouldn't I would.
0: recommend an amateur do it,
6: though. <laughs> no, not without a suit anyway. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, you can catch them. Um, and I have even sometimes I've they've turned up. At, I've been at places and they've turned up. and I've actually put them in a cardboard box and sealed the box up, put a few air holes in it and mm-hmm. brought them home and then put them into a hive. Yeah. You can do that. And they will settle. So long as they've got the queen, um, they will settle. They'll be fine. Yeah,
0: I think Uh, for most of our listeners, we'll just uh, refer them to the Victorian bee clubs. (laughs) (laughs) Get a professional (laughs) out there.
6: (laughs) Probably the best thing to do. I think so. But thank you so
0: much for that uh, that warning because I have noticed (laughs) in my own garden, bees seem to be everywhere at the moment. So um, very timely.
6: Yes, once, uh, once the once the air temperature gets over about fifteen degrees and the sun's out, they're they're out and about now. Yeah, big time. They're they're coming out, they've been they've spent, you know, three months locked up in a box or in a hive somewhere yeah. or in a nest and um, they're looking for some action. Mm.
0: Okay. And swarming swarming um is usually a sign that the uh, the hive is getting overcrowded, isn't it?
6: That's right, yeah, what happens is the, the queen will lay, um, once the once the yellow flower starts to come, um, they get very excited, and um, the queen will start to lay a lot of eggs, like she's actually able to lay up to maximum about 2,000 eggs a day, but probably only around 1,000. Right. Um, and of course, you know, after a week, um, there's a lot of new bees coming into the hive, so then she knows that, that they're going to outgrow that hive, so she'll take... So she'll actually, they'll actually lay a queen cell mm. um, for a new queen to take that hive over, mm. and then she'll take half the hive and move on. Right. And that's what happens. And yep. they go going sometimes they get in someone's roof and barbecues and compost bins and all that sort of thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so but please, do, you know,
0: please, no one bring out the spray bottle because we we have exactly. had a problem with bee mm. decline, haven't we? Right round the world, in fact. Um, we're yes, we're very lucky in Australia that uh, we haven't had the, um, you know, that 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 dreadful um,
6: virus, really. the varia. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, yeah. Though there's been talk of it in Queensland. Yes, I they heard have that. I mean, from um, some Asian bees. What happens occasionally? They've had. And even the um, Asian honeybee arrived um, on the mast of a yacht um, that oh. came from Asia. They sailed over and, of course, once it got to Cairns, it, it took off and um, that's caused problem. I'm not sure where that's at at the moment, but I know they're, they're having a lot of um, uh, workers or, you know, like volunteers from Australia-wide that were involved in the bee industry going up there trying to catch them. Mm. Mm. And that was the Asian honeybee because they kill the... Um, our our um, honeybees here, you know, the um, our local honeybees, yeah. Yes. So, but the Varroa, um, yeah, we're the only country in the world so far that still doesn't have it, wow. yeah, officially.
0: Long may that last.
6: <clears throat> exactly, yep. exactly. And they've got the best honey in the world here, so look after them, please. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Okay, yeah. thanks so All much right. for your call, Tom. Good to hear from
6: you. Absolute pleasure. Talk soon. Yep, bye. Bye, Pam. Ta-da.
0: There you go there 's another option for your e wood make you never, a hive
3: never know i haven 't made one of those before <laughs> okay,
0: but uh, see so you never know what you might uh, discover on the gardening show. Um, I'm, I should mention you are listening to the three CR gardening show if you 've just tuned in uh, we 're on air every Sunday morning from seven thirty until nine fifteen and uh, in the studio this morning, we have James Beatty, we have Jeremy Francis from Cloud Hill, and we have Peter Barker who uh, is uh, talking all about eWood this morning. So if you'd like to ring in and ask a gardening question, do give us a call. That number is 94190155. That's 94190155. Jeremy, what's happening this spring in Cloud Hill? Lots of uh, workshops, uh, I think. (laughs) Yes, lots
1: of workshops and... um, and uh, well, my uh, wife Valerie and and uh, a little team have been putting together a uh, Secret Garden. So the Dan and I are to, it again. to uh, Yes. That's uh, well, well, well uh, it was actually something which uh, goes back to two thousand and nine, uh, and two or three seasons after that, and 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 um, and, and there was a little effort to to open gardens up, some of these amazing gardens around the hills and some of the most extraordinary in Australia. And such in the, you know, it's the centre of horticulture in Australia really and oh, there's an yes. amazing mix of people uh, with gardens uh, living in that area and and so we'd like people to see it. So they're setting up a, a little a week of coach tours uh, next month, uh, October the 17th through to the 21st and each day there's a People climb onto a coach, you, you buy a ticket, you uh, travel around, and there's a guided tour. So so it's not a conventional open garden uh, week or so with, with people uh, sitting on gates uh, for hours on end. What happens is you've got a little group of people who go along and meet the gardener, the owner of the garden at the uh, gate, and they're taken on the guided tour. So it's a chance to actually meet people and talk to people mm-hmm. with a group of serious garden lovers Uh, and see some pretty amazing gardens. Mm. So they've got a slightly different um, program each day. Um, And, um, well, as I said, running over a week in October. Um, And it's just a case of jumping onto the website and having a look. But to to give some sort of indication, for instance, the first day, um, um, well, two of the people there meeting are Just (laughs) Baka, the vertical gardens guru. yes. Um, he has his place in Monbulk, and also um, the, 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 that tour will wind up at Beachmont. Uh, Beachmont oh. is just along the ridge line from us, and right. Beachmont's pretty amazing as well. 15 acres of old plantings from about 35 years ago that were the pride and joy of a retired nurseryman, <laughs> and then it's been taken. Over by two or three people in the years since, and and that that's quite an extraordinary garden, and that mm-hmm. that needs an hour or two to walk around. The um, that's the Monday, the Tuesday, Monday the seventeenth of October, Tuesday the eighteenth. Um, there's a series of gardens in the Crescent and Sassafras, and that that's always well, the Crescent and Sassafras is something like. The Dan Nong's Tourek. <laughs> and so you could actually walk from one garden to the next. And these are pretty amazing gardens, generally uh, quite substantial, and going down to a stream and, and incorporating um, the stream as part of the landscaping. Beautiful. Um, well, I can go on. Hill and Gully uh, on the <laughs> Wednesday. That's uh, Jeff Barnes. Now, Jeff used to be working with us. And, uh, but, but, um, he and his wife bought a property just um, opposite the Road Gardens, the National Road of Denring Gardens, um, oh, about 12, 14 years ago now, very run down, about five, six acres. And that included a little bit of stream as well, which was in a terrible state when they bought it. And that became a project uh, um, which the local land care group helped out with in... Eliminating, digging up acres of rubbish weeds, mm. holly and ivy and all the traditional weeds and and revegetating a uh, oh a couple of hundred meters of beautiful stream mm. and um, and then at the same time, Jeff had a uh, garden full of deciduous trees up around his house, so to my mind that 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 garden is quite extraordinary now because I think it 's a kind of example of what we all should be doing <laughs> with uh, looking after our native areas and at the same time utilising the city of trees around the houses mm. in terms of bushfire risk, dare yes. I say. Yes. But it's an extraordinary garden and just magnificent. He just set it up for his girls uh, mm. who are now about 10 and 12, I think. Um, How many so, places
2: are there on the coaches?
1: Well, uh, uh, well, around about 45, 50 or so. Okay. So there's a little group of people um, and um, and and doing about four or five things each day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, you, in, in these groups you, you, you end up sitting next to some very interesting people as yeah. well. So it's, a, it's kind of a nice way of doing things. I've, I've done this a little bit overseas with uh, one or two coach companies and they, they, these can be really, really effective. So it's kind of based on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and-
0: Virginia and I did one of your coach tours a few years ago. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yes, and, and it was just a fantastic experience and you were talking about Jeff's Garden. We actually went to Jeff's garden as one of the gardens we visited, and and even then, what had been done with that stream reclaiming it was just stunningly beautiful.
1: He's kept working.
0: <laughs> I, I hate to think what it's like yeah. now. It must be just amazing, uh, yeah. because well, it was well worth seeing then.
1: Yes, well, in those days, he was working with us, and he would zoom home at five o'clock, and then he You know, at some point in the evening, and put on a minus helmet, I think, and just keep going. (laughs) 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 Because what he did, I mean, the five acres was a—it was. I I did see it before he started, and he he bought the land really cheaply for a reason. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And just worked and worked and worked, and, and 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 with 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 sheer perspiration and nothing else, he's turned it into something quite extraordinary. Mm. And that that's just one of many, many stories.
0: That's right. That's mm. right. I'm so pleased you've you've brought these back to life again because they're, they're as you said, they're a wonderful opportunity to actually meet the gardeners. Yeah. Um to to personally be, be escorted around their garden, to ask anything you want to ask about how they've done it, why they chose to plant, what where. Um it's it you hear some amazing stories. It's fantastic. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> People just walk away from one of these days just inspired.
0: And, of course, these gardens aren't normally open to the public at Absolutely. all. Absolutely. It's the only chance you have to actually get in there and, and have a look.
1: Yes. Well, Google secret gardens of the Dandenongs and, well, they are private gardens. Yeah, yes. they, they, so I mean, we're, we're included in on a Thursday and so I'll, I'll be taking a tour of people around Cloud Hill. But um, apart from us, I think every single garden is otherwise not open to the public. Mm. So it's uh, kind of exciting, and that's all happening next month.
0: So for booking, Jeremy, let's... let's
1: Yes, well, the critical thing is the book, because uh, people have to meet and... And and uh, and so it's a coach trip, and to avoid having a convoy of cars, and and oh, which yes, simply and wouldn't, wouldn't be possible. It wouldn't no. be possible otherwise. So, uh, the critical thing is to um, Google Secret Gardens of the nong Ranges, and and just have a look and see what you think.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, what can they ring Cloud Hill or? Can um, they book well, online? yeah, they,
1: they can book online from there.
0: Okay. Yep. Fantastic! Well mm. done. We might go to our next caller. We have uh, Marilyn, who's out in Sunshine. Good morning, Marilyn. Hi, Pam. I'm
8: like you. I'm over the moon with the dog. Oh, good on you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um,
8: I've got a mandarin tree now. I'm not sure. I think it's a Japanese seedless. I've got two, and I can only find the one tag. It's it spreads out a bit, so and the other one just goes straight up. So I think it's a Japanese seedless. Do you think it would be?
0: Mm, not sure.
8: Okay. Um, look, it's looking very sick. The leaves are drooping and sort of bending over. Right. It's in a pot plant. Do I repot it or? How big is it? 12 it? months and I had about 18 mandarines on it.
0: Mm. Right. Um, yeah, it's just not looking healthy. I yeah. personally would think it would be happier in the ground. What yeah. do you think, James? I,
2: I would think so as well. And, yeah. so all, and even all...
8: with clay
0: soil? Uh, well, it's a matter of preparing, your, yeah. you know, a bed, mm. raising up a bed so Definitely. that you can yep. get some good soil into there yep. um, because they do need good drainage. So you need to, to do a raised bed for it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And we are we are also coming out of winter as well. And, you know, the magic number for citrus to kind of get into active growth again. Their, their roots start growing and when the ambient temperature is averaging, averaging about 14 degrees. So mm. we're probably still approaching that. So... Um, if you wanted to leave it for another few weeks for the weather to warm up and see if it recovers to any extent, um, right. and maybe give it a bit of a feed,
8: yeah, um, I've done that,
2: and see how it goes. But if that's not if that's not solving the problem, I'd 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 whack it in the ground as well.
8: Okay. Yeah. No
0: worries. Thanks. Very have much. you have you fed it at all? Yes, this? Yes, yes. I've Given it yep. the citrus
2: food. And it it might not it be in active growth all. yet. So no, that's it, may why not, so be, it may not. So it may not be taking
0: up any of that food just yet. And of course, a lot of citrus don't like the cold weather, so that mm. can yeah. tend to make their leaves go a bit yellow. And yeah. So it it may all it may all be well and good. In which case, you might get away with it for another twelve months. But mm. ideally, it's going to be happier in the ground in the okay. long run. No
8: worries. Okay, thanks, ma'am. Okay, bye. Thank you, bye.
0: That number, if you'd like to join us this morning, we'd love to hear from you. We've got uh, James Beattie, Jeremy Francis from Cloud Hill and Peter Barker um, of EWood fame in the studio. The number, 94190155. And I also might uh, remind listeners that if you want to be uh, included in the draw this morning... We are, um, courtesy of Peter, giving away $200 worth of um, eWood product to uh, one of the listeners that phones in and resubscribes or joins up for the first time as a listener sponsor to 3CR, and that is a wonderful way of supporting the station and, of course, the 3CR Gardening Show. So uh, Use that same number, 94190155, if you'd like to uh, subscribe. And one lucky listener, as I say, will walk away with uh, $200 worth of eWood product at the end of the program. Okay, uh, Jeremy, getting back to Cloud Hill. Now, um, diggers are being very active with running workshops now, aren't they? Um, And I presume springtime we're really hitting a lot of you know workshops. It's the ideal time.
1: Yep, uh, lots of workshops, um, and keep an eye on their website. And also, it's the spring festival coming up uh, next oh, month course, as well. Of course, so that's an entire weekend with uh, with lots of mini workshops and stalls and various things happening on the fifteenth and sixteenth of October. So that's actually the weekend before the the. Uh, Little bus tours that I've been talking about. Okay. So it's all very busy in October. Sure is. Um, but um, yeah, so that's all on the Diggers website, and we can and our website as well. We just hook through to uh, link through to our, the Diggers website. Good. But um, lots of. Um, uh, well, um, well, I think there's. I'm, ch- I'm trying to remember now. Beekeeping. Uh, there's a there's a beekeeper. There's a, uh, someone with with chooks. <laughs> uh, um, Ronnie Booker will be there uh, talking about tree peonies. Uh, they're they're incredibly um, uh, popular with uh, with uh, well uh, people with uh, with a culture with with. Uh, who take their tree pennies very seriously, uh, the people who just stumble upon them. (laughs) Uh, We we ourselves have a bit of a collection of lutea hybrids, one or two Japanese, and uh, we... um uh, have a rocks uh, tree peony no less which is an absolutely legendary plant and it's just getting to the point where I can start counting buds. Wow. <laughs> and of
0: course tree peonies, gardeners in Melbourne can actually go tree peonies. We just can't manage the herbaceous peonies.
1: That's right. Yeah, so the trees uh, will grow quite well right down into beachside suburbs and the new... Uh, hybrids, the intersectional hybrids between the trees and the herbaceous also will grow right down into beachside suburbs. In fact, they almost do better in beachside suburbs than anywhere else. Really? So, yeah, okay. that is kind of bizarre, but they, mm. they like those friable soils and, yep. and quite often the high pH soils. It's exactly what they really enjoy. So something to keep in mind. The herbaceous, of course, are the traditional ones. Um, and you do see them uh, propagated and for sale everywhere, but they do need winter chilling generally. That's right. Um, so that, that they're a little bit trickier.
0: Yep, yep. Fantastic. Yeah.
1: So Ronnie, uh, <laughs> no one can talk about tree, but he's quite like Ronnie, and, uh, oh, so he's great value.
0: Yep, wonderful. Okay. Mm. And I bet the garden's looking spectacular at the moment.
1: Yeah, all sorts of things just sneaking into flowers. It, it, it's, it's something about this sort of season is that, uh, well, the, the season's been held back by a week or two. Um, and, but it means that um, October, November, December are that much more dramatic. Mm. In fact, I was down at um, the Teslas, the Chilipa Festival, earlier this week. Just to see how things are going, and they, they, it's always really tricky for them because they plan six months in advance. They have no idea what the winter's going to do, mm. and occasionally they have uh, springs where the tulips all flowering. As everyone walk, walks in the first day, and halfway through the festival, there's nothing left.
4: Oh dear. <laughs> And
1: more than uh, a couple of times, the reverse has happened, and uh, people arrive the first day, and there's nothing flowering. They say, "Well, buy your ticket, but it's good for." coming back in two weeks' time. <laughs> They've had to do that yes, quite literally well, two exactly. or three times. Yep. This year they hit the sweet spot. <laughs> ah. they, I reckon two-thirds of the chillips were in flower when we walked through on Tuesday, that lovely sunny day. And uh, they had uh, – then there was a big um, strip right in the middle that were all in fresh uh, in bud ready to go. Mm-hmm. So this weekend will be spectacular. Next weekend, they'll, 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 it's just going to be spot on for them, and they were looking pretty good. Mm.
0: Excellent, fantastic.
1: So, yeah, we ourselves, well, bluebells are, are just building up right now. Great paths and still pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, the bluebells in the meadow are, are um, probably will be hitting uh, full uh, their the, the, the full colour maybe next weekend, but this weekend they're pretty good, mm-hmm. looking very fresh. Magnolias. Our magnolias always flower about six weeks behind Melbourne's, which confuses people no end. Yes. But, uh, for instance, we have a magnolia coba. Our solancianas are absolutely in full flower right now. Wow. And everyone else will will have finished in, what, July? Yes, (laughs) yes. Um, And there's a lovely rhododendron schlippenbachii, which... one of the awful, the most awful names I've ever come across, slip and eye. But it, it, it's kind of a, a really. Uh, it's one of the plants I, I take notice notice of every spring, and and it occurred to me a few weeks ago that this spring is rather significant, and that um, I was actually. Um, the previous the, the the owner of the property for, for all his life was Jim Warwich. He he was born in the place. He died in the place. He lived to, into his 90s. So, so all the old planting goes back to Jim Warwich, and I had the chance to meet him um, back in around about nineteen ninety, and um, the, 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 this was a... Um, Plant that uh, we were chatting, back, uh, chatting about back in 1991. He was talking about plants he brought in from the Yokohama nursery uh, back in the 20s. And this was one of those, and it was planted right down the bottom of the property and mixed up with Molluscecealias. The thing about slipping and here, I mean, it looks like a Molluscecealia when mm. it's not flowering before it starts to flower. It's a deciduous rhododendron. And um, I um, went down, he, he asked me to check on it. Now, Jim was in his 90s by this stage. He'd actually been blind for a few years too. So he had not had a chance to see this rhododendron for maybe 10 years. Mm. So I walked down, and there was half an acre of dirty great molluscs, rusticas, gents, all these deciduous rhododendrons, and maybe there was a schlipping back eye in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> So I went back up and said, oh, well, I think it's there, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just, you know, I just remember he was a little bit – well, you know, he was worried. He was worried, he yes, was worried that he might enough. have lost it, this really important plant. Yep. Anyway, about 10 days later, I just popped in. I just walked straight down, and there was a slipping back your own flower, and it has soft pink flowers, and it was up about two and a half metres by about two metres across. And it was actually the biggest plant in that whole batch of, in that whole hillside, and so it was actually doing really well. So I zipped back to the house to let him know, and I rang into his niece and um, Sylvia McElroy, who um, told me that Jim had died the previous day.
5: Oh, really? Mm-hmm.
1: So, <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> yeah, so it's just one of those things. Uh, it was months and months later, Sylvia got in touch with me and said, I oh, remember you saying you were looking for a place for a garden. And so things went on from there. Mm. But as when we were making Cloud Hill back in 92, one of the things we did was to dig this plant and put it in prior place uh, in a part of the garden where we could keep an eye on it, I suppose. Fantastic. Anyway, it's just coming into flower now, and it's when you think about it, it's 25 years exactly since uh, 1991. Right. So... Um sent out a little newsletter to that effect a few days ago. <clears throat> yeah,
4: wow. Mm. So just... if
1: anyone wants to see a pretty amazing and quite historic plant flowering, mm. rhododendron schlippenbachii, it was Jim's little joke, really difficult to grow, always schlippenbach. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great story, Jeremy. <laughs> that is. So good. it's sitting be- uh, right behind our Villa d'Esterone, just below the treepeny Pavilion. Okay. And it's pretty obvious. It's just coming into flower now.
0: Yep. Fantastic. What are the hours that uh, Cloud Hills open, Jeremy, while well, listening Well, to well we're open,
1: open all the time, between 9 and 5, mm-hmm. and uh, of course the Diggers uh, Nursery, so they, 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 they're the ones throwing the gates open nowadays, mm-hmm. so that's good, and... Um, so uh, uh, you welcome any old time And the address? Is, well, we're just out of Alinda on the Alinda-Munbock Road So the um, corner of Woolrich Road, of course The famous mm. family of yes, the So they, they, they pioneered that part of the Dandenongs And so corner of Woolrich Road And the Alinda-Munbock Road
0: Right, fantastic Okay, we'll go to our next caller We have uh, Helen, who's out in Wandon. Good morning, Helen Good morning uh, I have a question
9: about tarragon yes uh, to whomever um i had a plant that uh, keeps coming up every year i planted it about three years ago right but it doesn't seem to have the same flavor that it used the, the original plant did taste like tarragon but this one
0: tastes sort of aniseedy well tarragon does have an aniseed mm. flavor I would say that it's actually the opposite and it's actually getting stronger in flavour.
9: Okay, okay, because it dies down every year. Yes, it dies
0: down. I, I've managed to overwinter mine for the last two years. I noticed mine's still just there because I shifted in under the eaves. It's in a pot, um, over winter. Um, but I think, I think it's, it's actually getting stronger and, and that aniseed flavour is what's so, um, Coveted by the French people. Okay,
9: I just had a, a different flavour in mind when I, whenever I pick it, I think, oh, that's not tarragon. But you might be right.
0: Mm, no, 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 no. If Thanks. you if you look up any cookbook that describes tarragon, um, you will that see it. that they always say it has an aniseed flavour. So I think you know, keep it and use it. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Yes, wonderful. It, it, You're doing it, well. In theory, um, and t- I just had one
9: um, comment about asparagus, which I've got growing at the moment. Yes, um, and I've I've let them grow uh, to about a meter high before I pluck them because I'm I still want the growth to go back into the crowns, and um, they're fine like that. You don't you don't have to. I've discovered you don't have to take them off at the base. Um, and sacrifice all that growth. So I just wanted to make that comment. So you're,
0: you're letting them grow taller and cutting just the tips off, are you?
9: Cutting the tips off, you know, like about six inches or, or so, just breaking them off when they get the little side shoots happening. So the, the shoots down the stem, as soon as they start activating, right. I break off the top. And mm-hmm. I think that's just a good compromise, um, Getting getting something, getting a crop, but also... Um, allowing the plant to develop.
2: Okay, that's do you, interesting. Do you find you're getting more asparagus as you go along with that method?
9: Look, I've only really been doing it this year, but right. there's always, you know, two or three every couple of days that I can break off and and take out. But I'm I'm hoping it'll just um, build up the growth of the the crowns in the ground. So that's why I'm doing it because it's only, they've only been in a couple of years, All right? Two or
0: three years here. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yes, all right. Interesting. Well, thanks I, for that, Helen. Okay. I was
1: invited down to look at a property down in Phillip Island uh, this week, and we made a point of driving, driving down through Koo-wee Rup oh, to admire the, the, the asparagus the home beds. Of the asparagus, yes. Yes. Oh, And it was quite dramatic. It was great fun. <laughs> yes, yes. Just going back to tarragon, my understanding is, if I've got this right, tarragon is actually all the one clonal material and it's it's got a it's a pretty amazing plant in that if I've got the history right, <laughs> casting back my mind here, that it was actually brought in to England by Henry VIII's head chef <laughs> right. as one mm. single plant, and um, and so well, it's a very, very special plant. Very it's, rarely it's, sets seed, does it? Yeah. Well, yeah. well I, my understanding is it's it's it's, it's infertile. It's mm. a and. Um, and all the tarragon in the world nowadays, all the proper French tarragon in the world nowadays is all the same plant going back to to this plant that uh, Henry VIII was sampling Good way back. Heavens. Mm. <laughs> and I, I, I remember a conversation with a nurseryman uh, given the job of trying to clean up some of the viruses in this blinking 400-year-old plant <laughs> because they, you know, that's what happens. Plants that old, they accumulate viruses. Right. And you can do this to some degree nowadays by using tissue culture. So you you grow the plant and you nip off it, the little bit of the growing material and and tissue culture it, and you tend to leave some of the viruses behind. And if you keep on doing that, you leave more and more behind, you gradually end up with something which has got a lot more vigour and flavour because it's got more vigour than than the poor old sad plant that you started with, uh, which is full of viruses. Right. Uh, now, from memory, they went through that procedure thirty-eight times. Gosh, tissue culturing tarragon thirty-eight times. So, in, in theory, all the tarragon in Australia at the moment is, is is derived from that material that went through all those tissue culture stages. Good <laughs> I can't think of anything more boring myself except that for any, for a shift, perhaps uh, it was worthwhile.
0: Well, it it, it makes me doubly <laughs> determined to to keep my tarragon alive.
1: Yeah, well... <laughs> I must preserve it. Think, think of someone who's gone to do a lot of trouble to help you do that. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay, let's get to another caller. We have uh, Emma, who's out in Frankston. Good morning, Emma. No, we seem to have lost Emma. Okay, we might... Uh, uh, I don't think we've quite got uh, Tony up online yet. Um... Emma, if you'd like to bring back, we'll try and uh, get to your call. Um, uh, <laughs> I've,
2: I've brought James, a couple of couple of plants have, in. You have, you um, have. Even though we're talking herbs, I've got a I've got a really interesting plant here, and and its identity is something that is is a little bit up in the air. Um, it's it's Greek skies, salvia Greek skies. Um, it's it's often sold as a cultivar of fruticosa, but. Um, I've also read that it might just be an improved form of culinary sage. Um and I've and I've it were, I mean it could be and I've I've used it in cooking as well and it does have a slightly does have a does have a slightly more kind of aniseedy smell to it. Um it was called into question because of the shape of the leaves and the color of the flower yes, was right. not quite right for a fruticosa, But I'm not sure. I'm, I'm unsure. So I thought I'd bring it in to talk about it, to discuss it. I don't
1: know. You've tried it. as have <laughs> you've had that, a taste. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, uh, it, it hasn't poisoned it you. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think there's a few of the sages which are culinary. They aren't are. And, yes, and, and, yes and, they and are. Certainly, Greek scots, Well, I must say, I'm, I'm impressed. It's yeah. a it's a magnificent plant. It is we, gorgeous. We, we, we yeah. have one which, uh, well, is up around about a meter or so high. Yeah, great. Yeah, Fantastic. which is uh, and and growing and. I mean, some of the sages for us, are, our, our conditions are so cool
2: and dank, they're, they're not terribly happy, but mm. uh, Greek, skies, Greek skies, we're given it a sunny them, yeah. spot and, yep. and it's doing extremely well. It's very adaptable. It's extremely tough as well. I've got it in my front garden borders and every year around this time of year it's just covered in flowers. It's really just gearing up at the moment. These are the first flowers yeah. that have appeared yep. on it, but it'll flower for weeks and weeks. And it's one that the bees absolutely love as well.
0: Fantastic. It looks like we've uh, got Emma now. You there, Emma? Hello, Emma? No, we still don't seem to have Emma. Okay.
2: But, yeah, it's, look, it's a really easy plant, plant to grow. And no matter how hot it gets during the summer, um, it just never, you know, yeah. never looks like it's uncomfortable Laps or anything heat, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's a perfect plant for a, you know, people always talk about the, you know, they, they want low-maintenance plants or no-maintenance plants. Mm. Well, I think that's quite possibly very close to the mark. If one exists, it might just be that one.
0: Yep, yeah, absolutely.
2: But it's just beautiful. Excellent. And... Um uh,
0: and and very long flower spikes too.
2: Yeah, really, really long, and mm. and just just beautiful. One of my one of my favourite plants, and good, you know, good with a bit of pork as well. Stunningly good foliage, really, mm-hmm. really good foliage.
1: I mean, ours is not in bud yet. Yeah. <laughs> ours is silly in foliage. It's but five, I five walked past it about <laughs> yesterday, I think, thinking, well, that's that's uh, that's uh, um, deserves its little spot there. It's looking very handsome, mm-hmm. just as a foliage effect, and yeah. and, mm-hmm. and up about say two thirds of a metre at the moment.
2: You get that main flush of flowers off it in early spring and then you might be lucky to get a little bit of spot flowering later on. So I do have it mainly as a foliage plant in my front mm. borders. Um, I enjoy the flowers this time of year, but um, but but mainly I grow it as a foliage plant as well.
0: Yep, yeah. fair enough. Yep. Okay, we shall see if we've got Emma back now. Are you there, Emma?
10: I am. Can you hear yep. me now? Yes, we can. Lovely. Thank you. So I've got a blueberry question. If you can help me, right? I've done a little bit of googling with Auntie Google, and I haven't been able to find my answer.
4: Okay. This
10: over winter, my blueberry bush has gone a lovely rusty colour, and all the flowers are rusty. And I don't know how to make it go back to green.
2: They do that naturally. They do that. Yeah. Yep. So, that's nothing to worry about at all. Okay. En- <laughs> enjoy the rustiness. I'd say. Yeah. It's <laughs> quite beautiful. But not many
10: flowers this time. Normally, it's lovely and green, and there's lots of little. Blueberry bells on it. How,
2: how long have you had them for?
10: It's been in a pot because I'm in a rental property, right? And I've had it for four years. So i was That's hoping right. to let it have fruit this year.
2: Yep, yep. And what's your what's your watering and feeding regime like with it? And uh, what and what are you feeding it with specifically?
10: Well, because I live down in Frankston, we get a fair bit of water, um, and I give it some seaweed. And I just bought a liquid blood and bone. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Other than that, I was going to get some coffee grounds to put on it because I heard that that might help. But yeah, I wasn't one hundred percent sure.
2: I, I would I would be feeding it specifically with a with like a rhododendron and yeah, azalea, azalea fertilizer because yes. they're very okay. finicky about their pH. Um, okay. So it could be a pH issue in your potting mix. Oh, if I you suspect haven't fed that's them the problem. Like that, yeah. yeah so okay. They like an acid. They, they like an they, acid they, soil, they, 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 so they come from peaty
1: areas. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So okay. camellia, rhododendron feed, mm-hmm. and I, I definitely give that now because yeah. um, your sea salt isn't actually a, a feed.
10: Yeah, right? I know. It just helps with roots. Yeah, and that's grow. right.
0: And and I would say that now's the time to uh, really try and correct if there's a problem with that pH, definitely. and uh, yep. give it a real boost for springtime.
10: some rhododendron.
0: Yes. Potting Yes, Azalea, rhododendron. Yep. Yes. Okay.
2: And and you, there's a specific fertilizer that you can get as well. Um, there there are organic forms of it as well. It'll it'll be camellia, rhododendron, or azalea fertilizer. Okay. Um, and it'll it'll lap it up. It'll it'll go all green again and lovely.
10: All right, because I know that's what I initially potted it in. The lady yep. at Diggers told me to get some of that, and I did. Definitely. That's right. Yep. I but I haven't bought any more, so I'll go to, to I'll go get some of that. Yeah. Um, I have a query as well about bees. I've Got lots of flowers, lots of lavender out in the garden. I have not seen one bee out there. Mm. So, is there. Are, you mentioned earlier that they're going through and swarming, but.
0: Yep. They love yellow, yellow flowers.
10: Okay. I've only got purples blooming at the moment. Maybe later in the season
0: I'll get them. (laughs) Maybe get a pot of yellow and sit it next to some of your lavenders. (laughs) Yeah, well, thank you so
10: much for your time. You all have an amazing morning. Okay, (laughs) thanks,
1: Emma. Emma. Thank you. you. Bye. Marigolds, lots of marigolds. (laughs) Oh, yes,
0: absolutely. All right, next up we have uh, Tony who's in Dandenong. Good morning, Tony. Good morning, and uh,
11: thanks for your program, uh, get at least one great tip every week. Oh, good. I've got to apologise for this question, though, because I'm sure you get it dozens of times around this time of year. But I've got the roses at the front, and I'm pretty sure they're right because they're little green. they are. They're a little green, yep, they are, kind of but then you grab them and they've got wings and yeah,
0: stuff. Yeah, they're, they're everywhere at the moment.
11: I can't remember. Oh yeah, I tried two or three things last year. I can't remember what actually got rid of them. What's the easiest way apart from just running your finger along the, every bush and uh, scraping them off and squashing them all? which was
1: what
2: the, the, uh, our neighbour across the road advised. <laughs> oh, but look, I reckon it's... I don't have the time
11: to do that. It's, it's, it's,
1: a, it's satisfying,
2: though, isn't it? <laughs> 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 therapeutic. Yep. You can just hose them off as well. Hose you them, give off a them off or warm up and then... Yeah. Uh, warm, soapy water. You can do that every day for like two weeks, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Yep. You have yep. to
0: break their cycle, mm. yeah, basically.
2: Yeah, but
11: that's impossible because you've got to get under every leaf and...
0: That's right, and, and and at the moment they're just getting into. If you've got any, any early buds, they're getting into the buds yeah, right and destroying the buds.
11: them. So it's hard to get rid of every single one by mm. hosing them off every day. So yep. I can't remember if I used if, if, if it was um, uh, the white oil or what I used that finally actually got rid of them. Is, is there anything that,
0: that? Um, you could try eco oil. Eco yeah. oil,
11: yeah,
0: yep, yep. But don't do it. Don't do it in the middle of the day, mm. and don't do it when if it's just going to rain. Um, so early in the morning or, okay. or late evening is a good time for that and, and that can help to smother them.
11: Eco oil, okay. Yep.
2: Yep. Thanks very much. It's, it's for one of the health. things they, they, that aphids do have quite a lot of natural kind of parasitoid pred- predators. Oh, so, um, well, what's
11: the plant near them then? Um.
2: Oh, look. Any anything that's going to that's going to attract um, pollinators. So anything with lots oh, of flowers. Okay, so um, B. Bee,
11: uh, bee, bee Type.
2: Uh... Yeah. Anything that's going to attract bees is going to attract a lot of a lot oh. of other beneficial insects you know, as well.
0: Ladybirds and yeah. yes. So oh, so okay. they
2: they will they will go some uh, some way to cleaning up the problem for you when it comes to aphids because using like using horticultural oils. I I always think personally is a bit of a last resort because they are quite blunt instruments and they will they will kill stuff off target as well. Oh. So. Yeah. Yeah, which
0: is why we yeah. tend to recommend you know just <clears throat> just, just hosing yeah. or or yes well, yep.
11: well i have got camellia trees and um even well, different types of flowers around right next to them, so mm-hmm. daffodils and
2: it can, those those little those little um uh Parasitoid wasps and things can take a little while to turn up after the aphids appear. So yeah, okay. it, it, it usually can be, about it's, a week
0: later, you suddenly see that, well, okay. that you got them A in. week or
2: two, yeah. I'll
11: wait, yes. wait a month before I go. With yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and, and see how it they goes. will do
0: the job. They'll clean them up for you.
11: Okay, I'll have them up first, and then I'll wait a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. that's what I would do. All right, thanks for your help.
0: Okay, Thank that's you. fine.
1: <laughs> it's kind of interesting, and that, uh, that, that that's typical of this sort of season. I find that uh, La Nina spring, uh, cool conditions and moist conditions, um, it it, uh, spreads out the window in which the aphids can get going. We have to watch our maples very closely in a spring like this spring.
0: Right. Mm, So
1: far, uh, we've been fine, but we're uh, most probably a week or two behind everyone else. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You get forewarning. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, online. we actually have Vicki Kean, and Vicki is coordinator of Garden Valia Festival of Gardens. Good morning, Vicky. Good morning. How are you? Good, thank you, and thanks for talking to us this morning. Oh, pleasure. Um, I can't believe this is your 10th year, Vicky.
8: Yes, I know. It is amazing, isn't it? Time flies when you're having fun.
0: Absolutely. Now, every year, um, I get hold of your, your program of open gardens and workshops, and it never ceases to amaze me how many gardens you have opened down in the region there's there's so much to see i don't think anyone could get round it even if they stayed down there for a month
8: no you're right actually we um we have bus tours coming even from Warrnambool to stay for the four days just to to get in as many gardens as they possibly can mm. uh, we've got 31 open gardens this year with um which includes eight food gardens wow Yeah, and they range from a small townhouse garden, uh, suburban garden, right through the large country properties.
0: Fantastic. Now, you've got your official launch next Sunday. Yes. Um, What's happening with that? That's at Lillico Gardens?
8: Yes, Lillico Gardens and Glass on uh, Sunday the 2nd of October at 2pm. And part of that will be an exhibition of floral. It's called a floral or two exhibition from some local artists.
0: Okay, mm. all right. And then, then all the actual open gardens start the following week? Yes, correct. They start,
8: they, there's two lots of weekends. There's the 15th and 16th of October and the 22nd and 23rd of October. Right. And then we have, this year, we have a large number of gardens that are opening midweek, which is fantastic. Um, that's right through from the 17th through to the 21st. Mm-hmm. Um, now the only thing with that is that it has to be uh, eight or more people at a time
0: That's just for the midweek ones
8: Yes, correct and yes. In, uh, in the Little Gardavalia booklet um, they have their phone numbers So we'd really appreciate if you, a group, were thinking of coming along If they can just give them a
0: ring to let them know they're coming Fine, but for the, for the two main weekends um, you can go there individually There's no need to ring
8: no, absolutely not. And you can buy your uh, tickets at the garden gate. Right. Uh, the tickets are $5 per garden or you can buy five tickets for $20,
0: which is fantastic. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now, now in conjunction with the festival, you also run some workshops and and again covering amazing um, you know, variety of topics.
8: Oh, I know. 29 events we have this year. Which, Gosh, that's amazing. Um, a number of events are run through the Bawbaw Arts Alliance. Uh-huh. Uh, they have, you know, like, creative um, miniature fairy garden, terracotta dragon. Uh, we have a lot of exhibitions and workshops, as you said. Uh, this year we've got a very interesting tree walk, three different ones, uh, where they look, walk around Druin and Warrigal area and, and look at the significant trees of the area, which is, which is quite unusual.
0: That's fantastic.
8: Yeah. um, I'll just let you know a few more. Yes, sure. Our farmer's markets that are open, art markets, introduction to um, hydroponics, which should be a really good one. Some of them are free. Some of them have a minimal cost to go to.
0: Right. Okay. People really need to get hold of um, a copy of the program to to really work out what they want to actually um, head towards. How can they get that?
8: Uh, look, they, they're everywhere. They're um, where are they? They're at the the art centre in Warrigal. Um, right.
5: They're
8: at the libraries. They're at the Baw Baw Shire Council Customer Service Centres. A lot of the local cafes and restaurants, right throughout Baw Baw Shire have copies. Mm-hmm. Although I must say they really are running out fast. Uh, we print fifteen thousand copies of these, and we get rid of every single one. Wow! Um, you can also go on to the Gardavalia website, which is www.gardavalia.com.au, and download a copy of the uh, the little booklet there.
0: Oh, perfect, yeah. perfect. I should say Gardavalia is spelt as you would expect: G-A-R-D-I-V-A-L-I-A. Uh, so, Gardavalia.com.au, and that uh, will get you straight to the website.
8: Absolutely. Or they can ring me if they like, um, and I can organise. Like if they're they're not in the region, and they're you know they're way over the other side. I can shoot them through a little booklet if they like.
0: Okay, Are you happy to give out your phone number, Vicky? Yeah, sure. Oh four one seven oh
8: three four three hundred.
0: Fantastic. Um, congratulations to you and the and the team that have put this together. I mean, ten years of doing this is an amazing achievement in itself. But to uh, to come back year after year and have so many wonderful gardeners who are prepared to open up their gardens for it, I think is just amazing. Yes, it
8: is. Yeah, and look, we get, we get new ones every year. Um, a lot of people don't open every year because, you know, people come along and they see the same garden. So we're very fortunate to have new ones coming in and out all the time.
0: Yes, no, that's fantastic. And I noticed too that uh, for our listeners, um, many of our listeners uh, know... Uh, no, uh, Country Farm Perennials, and they are open as well for the festival.
8: Yes, they are, and they're a great supporter of us. Yes, um, no, Merrill's great. Um, places that they don't charge to get in. Mm-hmm. and One of them is Country Farm Perennials, the other is Corinda Rose Nursery, and the other is Laurie Collins um, Sculpture Garden in Jindabig. Right. And we just have a donation tin there if anybody would like to put in a gold coin donation excellent and this this all goes towards making Gardevalia bigger and better every year
0: absolutely well thanks so much for talking to us and all the best with the festival thank you very much okay bye bye and uh, to go online and look at that website or to download the uh, the full um, program of uh, open gardens and workshops dot au and that's all starting. Uh, well, the opening is uh, next Saturday, next Sunday, but then the following two weekends are uh, absolutely chock-a-block full of lots and lots of open gardens and workshops. So that's uh, that's one to think of if you he- want to head down towards the uh, Druin-Warrigal area. Okay, we will go now to uh, Elizabeth, who's in Preston. Good morning, Elizabeth. Oh, good morning. Thank you for
7: taking my call. Um, I just would like to know, I've got a nice Daphne bush, one of the new ones from um, Teslas, which is really um, vigorous, but I'm wanting to know what sort of soil would, would be the best to put it into um, Is it um, and what pH.
2: Um, they are more on the acid side as well. Okay. the, the Daphnis. Right. What, what is the exact variety that you've got, do you know? Um,
7: it, it's called the Perfume Princess. It's um, virus-resistant and can be planted in full sun. It's okay. one that Tesalard's um, produced, um, they so they were playing around with it and left it for a while and then um, came back to it and discovered this thing was just you know shooting off on its own. Mm. And I've got two, and they're so vigorous and they flower the whole length of the stem, yes. right? And and they're fabulous and 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 I've seen them grow in absolute full sun, no, no protection whatsoever, right, At a right. retirement village, so I got two. But okay. I just um I'm a bit worried about I've got a transplant one out of a pot and I don't want to lose it right. and I think it'll be okay but um I just wanted to know what's the best sort of soil to put it into <laughs>
1: i was just checking, and it. it's got slightly acid to slightly alkaline, so around about neutral. Yeah, I'd call oh. that neutral. Yeah. <laughs> slightly acid to slightly alkaline. Very um, <laughs> and, and the interesting thing is, with some of the new ones, is they like a bit more sunshiners than the traditional mm. old, uh, yeah. old dora. Yes, the the the, the one that uh, everyone thinks of as the daphne. It's actually a little bit unusual when you look at the, the entire daphne family, and most of them have got smaller leaves and. Like a bit of sunshine, they're Mediterranean plants. Mm.
7: Mm. Well, this one's fabulous, and and it's it's the the whole length was just packed off the stems was packed with is still packed with flowers. Wonderful, and, and the perfume's wonderful. So yeah, and it's got big leaves, and it and it's very vigorous. The um the other thing I'd like to ask if I could please is um uh, oh god it's just gone out of my head oh <laughs> um sorry it'll come in a sec um. Mm. Oh don't worry. Don't worry.
0: Well, yeah. Write it down for next week, Elizabeth. Yeah, thanks very much. Bye. Okay. Bye. We've had a query on the outside line. A caller wants to know is blood and bone okay for roadies and azaleas.
1: I would have thought so, yeah. Yes.
0: I would think yeah, so. Yeah. Okay. I would
2: agree. No, yeah, fine. Easy. Nothing wrong <laughs> with that. <Yep. laughs> but you know, feeding feeding plants like that, that's it's diversity is the spice of life, really, I reckon. So keep up the organic matter, a little bit yeah. of blood and bone. Yeah.
0: Well, as Stephen always says, we, we like a varied diet, and plants do too.
2: Exactly. Don't
0: keep using the same old one each, each year, yep. but um, vary it.
2: There's no silver bullet. That's no, right.
0: exactly. Okay. Yeah. What else did you bring in in the plant world, uh, James? Oh, look, I
2: brought, in, I brought in a couple of things from my nature strip and lo and behold, one of them has begun to open before our very eyes this morning because the buds were quite tightly shut this morning when I came in. Well, they only, the power they,
0: of fluoro. They only, <laughs> open in, they only open
2: in sun or under fluoro lights, <laughs> as it happens as well, so we can add that one to the list. But they're, um, they're, they're Western Australian paper daisies, Rhodanthi um, chlorocephala subspecies rosia, um, and Jeremy would be familiar with them from... from from where he hails from, I'm sure, but um, I've I've grown them in my in my nature strip this year. Now I had a I had a bit of a rule with my nature strip that it was going to be indigenous plants only, um, and I made a small exception for these because, um, like your story with you know Jim Jim Woolrich, they've got a they've got a nice little tale behind them. We we caught up with a friend of ours who was having a bit of a hard time last year in in um, in Perth. And we went down and spent a week in Margaret River, um, you know, solving the problems of the world and having a couple of deep and meaningfuls. And we bought a few packets of this seed and we agreed that we would go away and grow them and send each other photos when they were flowering. So they're flowering right at the moment. Um, they're one of the easiest of all the Australian paper daisies to grow. Um, and they come in shades of white to quite dark pink and everything in between, um, you really, you really do have to sow them in autumn for them to do well. They'll grow over the winter and they'll flower in springtime. They're in full flight in the, at the moment in my nature strip, um, but they really are just a throw the seed around and forget about it kind of plant. Keep keep the weeds at bay just by doing a bit of hand weeding when they're young, um, and then once they get above about an inch tall, they will outcompete weeds that are growing around them. So um, they they germinate quite densely where you sow them. Um, and and they have literally stopped traffic in my street. I've seen people driving past in Fantastic. their cars wow. and yep. <laughs> slamming on the brakes and, and pointing out the window and, well, it's, it's it's usually a mother or father trying to get their child's attention in the back seat and the kid's just buried in a, buried in a tablet or something like <laughs> yes, yes, that. that'd be and right. Flowers, <laughs> what do I want? Now, all these Lots of people spend time chasing Pokemon and taking photos of creatures that aren't actually there, whereas, you know, I think gardeners have been playing versions of Pokemon Go for yeah. years where we just go and spot the flowers that we love to see and things like that. It's a bit more tangible and it's realistic. It's a lot
0: less dangerous too.
2: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, you did see those, well, in country areas of West, uh, Western Australia
1: all the time and, mm. and, of course, they've been used in um, urban areas and Kings Park. They, the displays in Kings Park are just beyond belief yeah, at this time of the year yeah. and uh, that that's uh, was one of the plants they began with i think
2: yeah that's right that's right we were there in kind of late october last year and mm-hmm. the floral displays in king's park were just knock you out impressive they were really really gorgeous um so yeah a little bit of western australia that we brought home with us that's going off at the moment in our in our front garden yeah. Sounds
0: like your nature strip's become a real success. Yeah, it
2: has, absolutely. It's 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 got a lot of growth, um, put on a lot of growth this winter. Um, and one of the things that r- recruited really well, I don't know if you remember, but I put in one of the the native um, flaxes, linum, linum marginale. So it's the same genus as, um, you know, flax seed that you would get in a culinary sense. Um, and Aboriginal people used to use the local one to make cordage and things because mm-hmm. the 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 stems on it are really quite tough Um, so they used to weave it together and and make all manner of um, bits and bobs and and that has recruited extremely thickly throughout one half of the nature strip, where it's a, it's a little bit a little bit wetter down that side as well, okay. which is interesting. Right. But um, in about three or four weeks' time, it's going to be a mass of blue. Um, it has these not large flowers; they really are quite small, but they produce a lot of them um, all the way up their stems and. With the amount that I've had germinating in the nature strip this year, um, it's going to be quite a blue mid-spring, I Mm. think, um, and the effect will be quite pronounced. I'm really looking forward to it. But um, the the grasses and things that I've put in as well, I've put in a couple of uh, species of wallaby grass. And they've done extremely well. They came up and self-seeded um, and recruited really well in in autumn and have since um, bushed out. So, I'm thinking if if we if we get a bit of a if we get a bit of a wet spring and the grasses continue to grow as they're coming into flower. Um, I might actually burn the nature strip um, wow. <laughs> okay. in, in autumn of this year. <laughs> You're getting yeah, brave. <laughs> call, call the fire brigade and make sure it's all uh, all right. That'll <laughs> stop a few motors. Well. <laughs> Are you growing any so. kangaroo grass, James? No. No, I'm not. Um, uh, I, I was very conscious of trying to keep within the guidelines of my local council for nature strip planting, and the kangaroo grasses can get quite quite tall. So yeah. uh, I was a bit it the height. It's yeah, yes. it's a, it's more of a height thing, and I've and I've also found that when you get when you when you get um, tube stock tube stock grown um, indigenous plants, especially with the grasses, you tend to get you tend to get a huge growth response when you put them in, so they'll get much bigger than they do when you see them in the wild. Um, so it's, it's something that, um, I've avoided because it would, it would get a bit, it would get a bit high, but I have thought about maybe experimenting with a bit of direct seeding with it because it, it would, it might not grow as big and I might not get that huge growth response when mm. planting it from a tube. So yeah.
1: and we've got a little patch of the blue kangaroo grass from tubes, which have exploded, <laughs> 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 which kind of suits us, <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's always intriguing it mm. sort of intrigues me because, uh, Oh well, I, I just sus- suspect kangaroo grass and, and wallaby grass, so mm. they they were the kind of secret ingredients behind Aboriginal land management. Absolutely, and and, and yeah. uh, where we you drive around the hills, so drive around Nogs, and we got kangaroo grass growing on road verges, and you think, what on earth is that doing <laughs> in a in a forest? And you think, oh, maybe it wasn't a forest in the old days. Maybe it was something else, and. Mm. Uh, and of course, the uh, landscape you know, has it, it, changed so much yeah, since, since well, white settlement. That's the I mean, thing; it's, it's hard it's, for us to say. Well, absolutely. Yeah, well, yeah. Kangaroo grass. I mean, um, the, 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 well, why is it called kangaroo grass? Because kangaroos eat it, but they'll only eat it if it's if it's uh, just been burnt mm. and, it, and it's it's coming, it's just newly shooting. So yep. it's almost certainly burnt every twelve months. So yeah. that, mm. that, that's an amazing thought that, yep. that all around Melbourne, there were most of the landscape was been burnt. Very regularly. At, at, yeah, very, mm. very, very regularly. Mm. And so there's, uh, you know, that, that says a lot about all sorts of things. <laughs> I threw a lot of, um,
2: I threw a lot of uh, uh, chocolate lily seed down when I first planted out the nature strip and none of it has come up at all. But okay. um, I'm wondering that when I burn it, if it's going to come up in profusion.
0: It might. Because we, we
2: did a lot of work in King Lake National Park after the fires in the recovery um, when I was doing uh, bushland management. And a couple of sites that we went to, I've never seen such thick chocolate lilies. Okay. Um, so I think they're probably more of a pioneer plant yep. after a fire situation. Yeah. There you go. So I've I, I did throw quite a bit of seed around and was very disappointed when I didn't see any of it coming up. So I'm thinking uh-huh. that once I put a bit of a torch to the mm. to the nature strip, that they yeah. might kick into gear. You know?
0: Yeah. Yep, mm.
2: <laughs> <That's> a... <laughs> I,
0: I can I can just see it all happening. <laughs> it's funny. Only a couple of weeks ago, we were talking to Roger Elliott about um, about uh, burning off people's kangaroo paws, <laughs> and uh, we're we're getting a theme going on the gardening show here about <laughs> yeah,
1: setting get, fire to your yeah, garden. Yeah, well, yeah, can we... get the matches out. <laughs> yeah. So many of our plants,
2: you know, coevolve with a with a fire regime. That's um, right. That, that people themselves put in place. So yeah. you know, I think it's I think as a management tool that's really underutilised when it comes yeah. to our native plants. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. Also, and so, well, the, well the, the other thing about it is these plants hold moisture through the
1: summer, mm. so they burn with a pretty cool flame. That's right, And yes. And uh, well, there's the stories in Western Australia of of the fires going through the Jarrah forests and, and they, they were burning for months on end and mm. uh, and the traditional owners would simply keep an eye on them. And they, they, they were defending certain areas, which, uh, you know, some particular plant. And so they, they were keeping an eye on these these fires the whole time. Mm-hmm. And every now and again, they'd stroll off. And and, and um, the trick was to pull branches from the right tree to sweep the fires away from the areas they were defending. Mm-hmm. And the Jarrah was no good. Jarrah uh, has an incredibly high volatile oil content. Uh, it was the Mary, the... Um, um, that uh, was the trick uh, that, that was the one that we were using. And this okay. is actually recorded by some of the, uh, uh, the Europeans in uh, uh, the early settlers. They were watching these gangs of people just walking through and sweeping the fires uh, controlling the fires Mm. and uh, but using but but they just had to remember which tree to pull the branch off (laughs) now the funny thing is when i read that i I thought gee i've done that myself and i've actually we actually had Mary's growing on our farm and i can tell you exactly how long a a Mary branch is good for when you're sweeping a fire (laughs) (laughs) it's good for about two and a half three minutes then you need another branch right (laughs) but but if you pick the wrong branch instead of something which sweeps out a fire, you've got something which spreads the fire (laughs) (laughs) So this is, uh, it's really uh, fascinating to sort of look at this and Mm. and, and figure it out and it's something we've all got to come to grips with
0: Absolutely, Mm. yes, wow Well we have uh, Elizabeth from Preston back online You've remembered Elizabeth Yeah, as soon as I got off the line (laughs) That always happens
7: Anyway, thank you Um, I'd like to know, um, know I think I'm far too late to trim back my cane begonias,
2: but I just thought I'd check. Uh, they're pretty resilient, really. How, how much do you want to cut them back,
7: I reckon? Um, well, it doesn't matter as long as I, I tr- even just a mild trim, but I don't know. I can't remember the, the time of year you should cut them back, and I, I think it's earlier than now, but I can cut them back just a little, but I just don't know what's the best way to go.
2: If you if you wanted to venture a cut back, they strike really easily from cuttings. Mm-hmm. So if you were worried that you were going to lose them at this time of year, you could always just throw a couple of cuttings into a pot and yeah, see how I, they go. I
7: doubt I'd lose them. It's just I, I thought there was an ideal time, and I I just and, and I, anyway, oh, I will cut. I'll, I'll give it a go.
2: We're chopping
1: furiously. <laughs> we do that all through the winter, but, but yeah. there are a few things we avoid chopping early in the winter because we have so much dank. Um, I mean, as I, if anyone was listening first, there you go, it was misty murky uh, in the Dandong's uh, first thing this morning, right. um, and so if we cut back some things beginning of winter, things, well, one or two of the ornamental grasses, things like lavender, <laughs> we could lose lavender chopping it back hard at the beginning of winter, right. so things like that we tend to leave until now, mm. until it's actually
2: warming it. It took me so long to do it.
0: (laughs) I'm expecting um, great things out of this bit of land. It's going to be
2: well. Look, I've got I've had so many ideas kicking around my head for a while. um, You know, I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do, but um, as David Bowie said, I
3: promise it won't be boring. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm picturing a a raised vegetable garden, (laughs) as you would, (laughs) as I do.
0: Jeremy, we should mention again the bus tours because this is very exciting that you're running them again.
1: Yep, it's a well, a huge effort on the part of a tiny committee of being flat out for now <laughs> for quite a while. But the Secret Gardens of the Dan Nong's tours, so so it's a little bit of a relaunch for anyone who missed the uh, news earlier. So we we have. Uh, um, so we have a whole week of coach tours visiting amazing gardens in the Dandelongs next month. the The week of Monday, the seventeenth of October, through the twenty first of October. So people will each day uh, buy buy a ticket for each day, climb onto a coach. Uh, and be driven around, enjoying well interesting people on the coaches. Simon Rickard is helping out one day. Oh, good! Uh, yeah, so so there's there's someone on the coach with you with the group the whole time. Simon will arrive to be at the garden next week. Yeah, And yep, yep. and wow, uh, uh, there you go. How's guy. that? Time? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's good value, and 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 people would be meeting the gardener at the garden gate. Being shown around the garden and some amazing gardens, quite a diversity of gardens, two or three very different gardens each day. It's all on the website. There's 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 something for absolutely everyone and mm. all the way through from Philip Johnson who won the the, the, the big medal at the, the gong at Chelsea a couple of years back. His to-
0: home garden is just yeah. stunning to see. It really yeah. is.
1: Yeah, so there's just, just absolutely everyone involved. Have a look at the website. There's a huge amount of information there and something for everyone. Secret Gardens of the Dandenong Rangers. That's, <laughs> the, that's the simple. Have a look and see what you think.
0: We haven't, we haven't actually talked much about cost, Jeremy.
1: Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not actually sure myself. It's really just have a look and, and it's all on the website.
0: Okay, all mm. right, that's fine, and, and bookings are on the website. Yep, and as well, on so the website nice yeah, and bookings on the website. Yeah,
1: all the information. Yep. The, the dollars, the bookings on the website. Yep. It's all so simple nowadays.
0: If you have, if you have a look at each day and which gardens they're going to, that might help determine which day, which particular way you, day you want to go Absolutely. to. Absolutely. If, if there are, if there are, you know oodles of gardens you want to see, you might want to go for more than one yep. day because each tour goes to different gardens. Absolutely. It?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, look, it's it's I, I haven't had much to do. It's it. been my wife Valerie my next-door neighbour, Mary Mason, three or four other people going furiously for yes. months and months. <laughs> oh, no,
0: I know it takes a lot of work and I congratulate yeah. them for putting it all together again. I'm, I'm excited about it, yeah. so um, well done.
1: Yep, well, I'll pass on congratulations. Yep, yep. do, do, <laughs> do.
0: Okay, we've uh, pretty much run out of time. Um, a quick mention again, Peter, that website for EWood.
3: Uh, Ewood ewod.com.au And if anyone would like a, a, a brochure, I can email one out to them if they wanted to make contact with me through the website.
0: OK, perfect. All right. We've run out of time for yet another week. Um, we've had a very busy day. Of course, we'll be back at uh, 7.30 next week. A big thank you to, uh, to the panel here this morning and also a big thank you to Rosemary, who's been handling all our phone calls. Um, until next week, bye for now.